Welcome back to part two of the Hennessy Files podcast. Never fear, tradies. Next time you're stuck on site and need something from a wholesaler, use Getter instead. Shop online and your supplies will be delivered to you straight away or scheduled to turn up when you need them most. Get on to www.getter.com.au for all your tradie needs. So, Kyrie, let's go over the key moment from that year. You played Melbourne early, and while you lost to them, there were some great signs to come out of that game. There was an amazing rivalry between the two teams. Where did that originate from, as it felt like both playing groups just did not like each other? Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. As I mentioned earlier, you know, there's guys that when you're playing against them, you think they're nine balls, you know, but you get them on your side and and you see their... um, you see who they really are, and most guys in footy are good guys. And I don't know if we built this thing up. It was it's a natural in the way that we were both close to the top of our game. I felt like Manly won a lot of fans over where we hadn't traditionally been uh, a fan's second or third team, but because we could really stick it to Melbourne, uh, a, a lot of the rugby league community was getting on board, and they disagreed with the you know the overuse of the the grappling. And this kind of thing. So there was a few things, you know, Desi and and uh, Belly Ake both being mad scientists. But um, I don't know. I think we we also sort of built a little thing up, like where we're a lot of fun <laughs> at Manly. We sort of in our mind, these guys were, you know, they they were um, they it's weren't having own. any fun down there. No, no, they were all. Uh, you know, which of course isn't true because I've ruined with Billy Slater and Cameron Smith's a funny guy. And um, but just just one of those things that maybe you you, you build up more than it is. But um, no, no, never a hate. We just um, yeah, we just we just thought you know we just thought we were a tighter group. And um, I think one thing in the in the rosters was uh, you know they famously uh, built their team around the the big three, and um, we probably played on that. Uh, uh, that we were a team, you know, we were one to seventeen. We were contributing, and um, we're not. It, it, no one's really dispensable, but but um, uh, I think I think we probably played on that fact that they were, you know, a team of built around these superstars. That without those superstars, they they wouldn't be, you know, the way they, they were. Yeah, where we we really thought, um, you know, whether it was true or not, we just believed that we were. A, a closer knit team, but you know, we we won, we lost one, we won one. Um, this is just, I don't know, some of that psychology that goes on that you don't even know is going on. Him, I felt like a key point of that of that year where you guys sort of made a statement not only to Melbourne but to the whole rugby league world was that with about five rounds ago, you play Melbourne at Brookie Oval, it's pumping, there's 18,500 screaming manly fans, the game starts. And it's physical from the outset. And I'm pretty sure it was Skivy Maddai who came out of the line really early in that game and absolutely poleaxed Cameron Smith. We get the ball back and you're the man who was going to take that hit up. And out of the line comes the most hated man in rugby league when it comes to Manly fans was Michael Crocker. He comes out and puts a hit on you and a fight erupts. Talk us through that and... Um, was that like a you know a point in time where you guys went you know what we're not going to be pushed around and we're going to give as good as we get? Yeah, I mean you don't sort of you know realise these things at the time. I, I think I've heard uh, Brett Stewart comment, or maybe he said to me personally, 
He probably did. Um, that even though we had lost that game, he loved what I did did with Mick. I'm not, you know, sort of known as a as a brawler or or you know an enforcer or whatever you want to call it. But um, I do distinctly remember that um, off the back of of 2007, and, and perhaps we were on the on the losing side of of the earlier round, that I told the the guys that like, you know, if it's on here, like anything goes down, it's on tonight, you know, and uh, I think the funny part of the backstory is, um, yeah, Croc did come out, try and put a shot on, but I had gone to the ground and, and I was sort of getting grappled from behind and in New South Wales camp, I'd heard that they were bringing, they were doing this new thing where they try and drop a knee on your calf because <laughs> if, you know, if they get you, it's pretty, pretty painful and it happened to me and, and I don't know what happened, but I, I actually, if you look at it, I actually was the aggressor in that circumstance and, and, and maybe because I G'd the boys up that, that it's on tonight, you know, we're at Brookie and we're not taking any more shit. We're going to, whatever we do, we're going to win this physical battle. And, you know, being a front rower, you're sort of trying to take uh, responsibility for that. So I get up and, yeah, I, I graze Croc with one and, and he clips one with, uh, he clips me with one. And, and um, I think it was Brett Stewart who just said, I just knew because it's not really a part of my game, but it was a line in the sand. You know, we we had that belief. Probably, if not before then, we definitely knew it then. And Snakey just said, "Yeah, Cody, when you when you said that, oh, I just knew we we could win the comp." You know, so it's pretty cool. What I like about that story is the next hit up, you just went, "Give me the ball," and you went again. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> that <remember>. was sick. <laughs> I actually watched the highlights the other day, and then I was like, "Yeah," came in, was like, "Yep, I'll uh, go again." What I remember about that was uh, I don't remember taking the ne- next hit up. I remember uh, Steve Maddai is, is my roommate of six or seven years, um, and uh, you know he is a tough, tough player. But uh, you go, you shake hands, you know, and it's it's commonplace now that you sort of do the chest to chest or whatever you're going to do. But Sk- Skibby would always whisper in your ear, "I've got your back, bro." <laughs> you know? So when I look back at that footage, um, you know, and I sort of start the melee. Um, Lo and behold, little Skibby, who's probably six inches shorter than me, is pulling me out of the way to get into the action. And um, he ends up with Croker himself. <laughs> you know, I just, I just love his attitude. I love his heart. And uh, you know, uh, as I said, even with the size difference, he, he, he was going to take it upon himself to stick up for me. <laughs> Stevie Maddie, he's got a heart of gold mm. as, as a person, but. What a fearless competitor for a guy who realistically wasn't that big. He, his ability to put the big shot on and to play, you know, busted. What an, he must have been an incredible guy to actually, you know, play with for those amount of years. Yeah, he's the man. He's, um, you know, anyone that's played with Steve understands what he played through. And uh, I get a bit, I get a bit angry when people say like, "Is he really injured?" Like, they got to understand. <laughs> I, um, I had a long career and. Um, and, and obviously played with painkillers as, as Stevie did a lot. Uh, but <laughs> I like to think my common sense prevailed where if you got an AC injury, you sort of you adjust your tackling style, you know, and I would say to Steve, you know, just because you can't feel your neck, I said, you, you still got to look after your neck. And he goes, bro, if I can't feel it, I'm going in as hard as I can, you know, and that was, that was his attitude, not knowing that he was, well, he did know. He was going to wake up so much sore for it for uh, the next day, but he didn't care, and um, I think that's what we all love about him—that that sort of body on the line. So going into the finals in two thousand eight, uh, you basically 
had a pretty cruisy path. You had two really solid wins. I think it was was it Saints and the Warriors. Mm. Uh, so the Warriors were on a bit of a roll that year, actually. But you belted them in the uh, in the preliminary semi and uh, going into that grand final that week. Did you guys change the way you you went about that week because of what had happened? Because they do say that uh, grand final weeks can be very very draining on a player. Um, how did you guys feel going into that week? Yep. Uh, stark contrast to the year before, we, we knew what was coming and we just, I think we just uh, lapped it up a bit more. You have that media day with, with, with you know, every, every journo in Sydney down at, down at training. You have the grand final breakfast and we just, we just embraced it and really had a lot of fun with it. At the grand final breakfast, they, they'll present the, the, the ref that's going to ref the grand final is obviously the best ref of the year and they get uh, a trophy or something and <laughs> as he's coming up, killers captain um so he's closer to the to the mc and, I, and i'm right next to killer and as tony's coming up to get his award i get out of my seat i'm on the front table and reach over and say well done tony and um he was good about it and me and killer are having a laugh but the the nice part about it if you look at the try i score uh which is really the one that nails puts that nail in the coffin where everything after that try seems like a celebration i think i might have bounced it Tony's right there, and I'm like, yes, that handshake. It's, <laughs> it might have it might have swayed him, but um, yeah, got got the um, got the try. Now, talk about the game. When did you feel like you just said probably when you scored, it was game over? Did you guys like as a team as a whole? Did you feel like you had them from the get go? And remembering, uh, people always say they always say, oh, Cameron Smith didn't play, but realistically, you guys absolutely toasted them. Let's be honest. Yeah, I don't think that's for me to comment. You know, Smitty, he's one of those players that, that could change the game for sure. But to answer your question on how we felt, uh, it was just a continuation of the week. We were confident. We were relaxed. We were in that if, you know, what, what, what they try and hack, sports scientists and that, they said, we're in the zone. And if you have a look at the, um, the circle that we form, um, so there's heaps of smiles. Like, you know, there's a few staunch faces, but we're just primed and ready to go and in that flow state you know they, they call it these days but um we, we were ready and um very very confident i suppose we were well on top when i scored that try but um it was just that you know the next job the next job like don't we we were very vigilant uh, i think until that time and then if you look at the celebration of every try but from then on it's just a culmination of um four or five years of work all coming together all being uh, celebrated each time you know we scored another point um and it was just the best feeling because it was just this 20 minutes of knowing you're winning the grand final seeing legends like steve menzies get his farewell and um robo scoring three tries and just 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 pure elation honestly um outside of um Doing, <laughs> I don't know, doing, doing, putting substances in your body. It was a natural high that I've never experienced um, to this day again. And talk about how proud you were, Clive Churchill, medal winner. How did that sit with you? You must have been absolutely stoked to get that. Such a great mm. achievement. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I'm not being modest when I say hen. Like, and then Chucky will be the first one to pull me up. He'll like, he'll say. 
you know, that was my Churchill. And I said, it probably was, man. He played an outstanding game. But as I said, these role players, Glenn Hall was making breaks, busting guys, Robbo scores three tries. Belly was on fire. You know, and it was just, um, when I look back at it, you know, we didn't mention Jason King, who I had oh. a lot of admiration for. Uh, he just, through injury, I think he had slipped sort of to the bench and then me and Josh were, were uh, happened to run on that day, but he, he contributed massively. But you had a great four props that year. You had Boxhead, you had Bo- Mark Bryant, you had Kingy, who, uh, you know, a great player. Then you had yourself and Teddy like that. That four props, yep. you know, really laid the groundwork for that side. Well, I'd go a step further and say, you know, one innovation that you look at what coaches bring to the game and one thing you could attribute Des for is we just talk about the middle forwards now, Hen. And Glenn Hall was really that third forward, uh, third prop where, you know, Melbourne was still going for that smaller prop. Other teams were still back in the ball playing, uh, not prop, 13, you know, small yeah. 13 or the ball playing 13. Whereas I think I think that's something I could, I'd attribute to Desi, the three middle forwards to to really get you going forward. And um, as I said, we had, we had a good crew there. Mark Bryan obviously chipping in and, um, yeah... Good to, like it's just yeah hard not to get emotional thinking about these times, but just such a such a, a great time. Um, the celebration, how yeah. good was that? Oh, oh Bella Vista. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't finish off on the Churchill. Yeah, so go I wasn't on the being honest. I, I think when you win forty nil and the record score, you know, something we're all didn't really know at the time. Something I'm, I, I for one, like I watch it every year. I want to make sure we we keep that record, or you know, we can't do anything about it. But it's 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 such a it's a culmination. It's a back to the to the performers on the day. I think seventeen guys are playing near their best game. That's what it looks like. So I, I accepted the award. I was so proud, and the memories I have about getting the award are, are really just just about family, about everyone. You mentioned, you know, I mentioned the Queen in Blues, the people that picked you up to take you to train, and the you know the trips out to Canberra, the everything that leads up to it. You think about all these people and what they sacrificed to get you there, and you hear stories of you know my um, my closest brother Tory like just dropping to his knees in the aisle, you know, and just moved by emotion. These are things that they just stay with you, you know. I, I'm sure my um, you think about your old man and um, uh, and, and your parents. So it's um, that's what that was all about. And I, I was pretty moved. If you remember in the in the speech, I got to take my little girl up on the stage and um, just uh, really really great memories. One of my favourite people that I've ever met through rugby league is uh, Matt Orford, the little Shetland. <laughs> he was a tough little bugger, and uh, I just felt Ox got to captain the side to that premiership and uh, he won the Dallium Player of the Year that year. For what he'd been through through his career, it was just reward. Talk me through, what was Ox like to play under? Because for a little man, he could get quite angry. <laughs> he was a little intense at times. Oh, very intense. And, and um, he'd tell you, you know, he, he'd pull you up, he'd tell you to, his, to your face and, you know, you look in a fair way, like at a 45-degree angle down at him, but you respected him and, and not – just because he was the captain, um, he was a little ox. He was he would throw his body into tackles. He'd um, you know he'd bash big blokes uh, when he had the opportunity. He, I think he could bench press close to Kylie Luluai at the time, or, or Kylie had moved on. So the ox, I think he had the he had the best bench press at one stage. Um, but yeah, un- uncompromising, real footy head as well, and um, you know no. 
he sort of used to get bagged a bit. I don't know if he was really he might have had a girlfriend, but he was just he was all business. It was all about the footy yeah. and um and and the guys really respected him. But to cover off on what you were saying, awesome. This, he came from Melbourne, you know, probably I don't know if he was unwanted, but um underrated. Definitely underrated and um it was good that he was stayed fit that year and he was able to show um, you know, the whole rugby league community what he was capable of and, and really just rewards, as you said, that um he took out the best player. Moving forward to 2011, and there was a great blend of younger guys in the side, but also some really experienced older guys as well. How was that experience? And talk us through the emergence of that exciting new halves combination in Kieran Forum and Daly Cherry Evans. Obviously had breakout years, but I think it was um, to, 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 to touch on what you, you're mentioning there, we, we had a different system. Des had a different system, didn't revolve around, you know, a big three or, or, or the spine, you know, which is commonly uh, used these days and, and, and copied and whatnot. We'd gone through a few half. Michael Monaghan might have been there in 2007. Yep, he was. You know, Oxy, J- Jamie Lyon was in, was in the halves and it didn't revolve around uh, any, any um, – two or three key players that really revolved on everyone doing their, their job uh, to the best of their ability. But those those players, we uh, we definitely needed them. I remember Daly Cherry Evans' kicking game that year and it was just, I think because we, we were more experienced, we, we um, were able to take the pressure off and, and the things they added to the to the team, as I said, with, with Daly's kicking game and, and, and Kieran's running game, just really complemented what what we already had in place and and probably strengthened it again further. So yeah, two rookies that they came in. I think uh, to their credit, they were both uh, really humble, ready to buy in, and and that's not easy because you've got to get that mix right of uh, you know be, being um, being able to fit into a new team, but leading the, the team around the park at the same time. And I think um, again, just speaking of that 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 unity that we had within the team. When you came into the team, you were you were just accepted. You didn't have to do your apprenticeship like, Cherry, you're a half. You're, you know, you're one of us. Foz, you know, he's always going to be endeared to footy players because of the way he plays and, and, and the toughness with, with, with which he plays. So I think, um, yeah, it's just, again, one of those things that it all sort of worked well and some of it can be orchestrated some of it's just... Um, yeah, good luck and good fortune, but um, great young players that uh, I think they'd both. Speaking to Kieran Foran the other day, you know they'd both like to to um, revisit that that um, that pointy end of the season as a, as a leader. Now they had that taste, you know, and probably a bit spoiled young, and uh, they both have the ability to do so. And um, it'd be good to see them, you know, in their respective teams do that. I think in two thousand eleven too, as I said, we talked about those two guys, but. I reckon that 2011, both Chock and Glenn Stewart Gifty were at the peak of their powers. They were dominating games. And uh, not only that, Snake was, you know, fit and just absolutely killing it. So, like you said, yeah, the, the great thing about the Manly side, it wasn't dominated by two halves, but all around the park, you know, you had strike power and you had guys willing to buy in. So even though they were pretty much a young side with the halves, there was still a lot of class in that side, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean... and Didn't you guys buy Joe Nalavau too that year? Yep. Yeah, and, and you touched on that before, and I think when you've got, when you've got a strong team, uh, one, of the, 
one of the things that you see with with guys that have you know maybe Joe coming towards his end of the to the end of his career, a Shane Rodney that had had a couple of you know stop start sort of career. When when they come to the team and and they lift that extra gear and they they um they they t- they become better players being being in that system. That's that's really something that um, galvanizes the team, I think. And and you know that whoever comes in, you're going to get the best of them. You know, you're not getting Joe washed up. You know, you're getting he's giving you the best. And and he started in that grand final that year in the front row. Do you know the incredible thing about Joe Nallavale is that I used to own a, a shuttle service and. No bull, I would see him at 6 a.m. get in a bus from the city to Narrabeen. So he must have been coming from out west to train. That's an incredible commitment. Yeah. Do you know anything about that? <laughs> I, I went the other way at the end of my career and I think, um, two, yeah, two years at, at the time it seems, maybe Joe did a bit longer, but um, he had his young family settled in in Penrith and um, the traffic, as you know, it's just it's just a nightmare. So what Joe has in his advantage is the ability to fall asleep in about 30 seconds. Uh, so public transport was the go for him. But, yeah, just a yeah, really um, humble guy, you know, that that would not phase him to jump on public transport and then, you know, be playing in the in the big shows and the, and the grand finals towards the end of the year. You get into the grand final against the uh, Warriors – the game sort of had a lot of ebbs and flows, but uh, there was some key moments like there are in most games. And um, I felt towards the back end, Fleety Mateo was absolutely starting to really cause some havoc on the left edge. In fact, he was just roaming everywhere and starting to uh, work over your tied forwards. Um, how important was it to shut him down towards the back end? And did you ever feel at any stage in that game that this was getting a little bit too uh, too tight for your liking? Yeah, I suppose there was more pressure in that game uh, than the 2008 game where, you know, we were still a club on the up and Melbourne had been there and done it uh, where we were probably expecting to play Melbourne in that 2011 grand final, but then it was the Warriors. So, um, you know, still had to be right on top of our game because obviously the Warriors were capable of knocking them off. They they could have done the same to us, but you're right. Fletty was running running right there. Um, we had a few tired forwards out there and, uh, yeah, good mate Mick, Vic Morrow. He's another one of these role, role players, you know, that um, that you need in your team. And I think if, if you're a good judge of the sport, you'll see that um, you, you might have a couple of international props that are close to your highest paid players, uh, but they need to... They need a rest and someone needs to come on and there'll be a Vic Morrow that's on your minimum wage that has to do as good a job. And Vic's one of my best mates and he often quotes our stats from that game. And and then he says, look, see what you were earning and see what I was earning. And He was driving we, buses for me. <laughs> he was giving you a hand. Another one of those guys, you know what I uh, talk, talk about, those guys that are nearly overachieving um, and just really – you know, Vic used to say he was redlining because he was he wasn't as as big or as strong or as fast. But he was like, "God, I'm, I'm you know, you're a genuine heavyweight. I'm I'm redlining just to be here." And you know, it's a it's not an easy career, as you said. He'd be driving buses at, at different times, and people think uh, there. You know, still a lot of people think that you know footy players are overpaid and, and whatnot. But you've got to look across the board at, at these sorts of guys that um, are just year to year trying to get another contract. It's very, uh, very tough. Um, rewarding for them too. You know, someone like a Vic will always have that, but um, would have sacrificed a lot 
and put his body through a lot to uh, to um, you know get up each week. I think that he played a key part of that game because he came on towards the back end of the game when uh, Georgie Rose was starting to really gas out and Vic pulled off a couple of really important tackles that changed the momentum of that game. So like you said, it's great that sides have to have those rock stars and they also have to have, you know, those guys who are other workers and Vic was definitely one of them. Mm. If you're trying to get... Rosie on the show. I don't know if you're going. Rosie never got tired. I don't know if you're going the right way about this. Rosie, <laughs> <laughs> he never got tired, and me and Rosie never had an argument on the field about um, about him getting tired either. I used to see Rosie. This is good. <laughs> when Rosie was trying to lose weight, right? He would say that he'd put on weight looking at a steak, right? And I'd see him walk in the mount. I'd be down the beach uh, having a look at the surf, and I'd see Rosie walk in the beachfront like three jumpers. I go, "What are you doing?" He goes, I've just had dinner, I've got to sweat it out. <laughs> yeah, uh, he always, I think George could have been anything really. Um, I, I don't know what he thinks about it himself, but he, he, he yeah, he obviously carried weight. Um, but just a dynamic player. Oh, great player. Best. And um, you look at some of his younger footage, he's, he's actually not that big, you know, and he, and he can move and he can step and he could offload. Uh, but back touching on Vic just quickly, he... Uh, they're the little things that, and, and, it's, and it's nice you notice that um, uh, it was just just really shoring up one end, you know, to use that cricketing term. But it's not just making the tackle, but it's dominating the tackle, you know. And and that's a big difference in rugby league to have a guy come on and do that for you. Stops a Folletti Matteo coming off the back of that quick play of the ball. That's you know, as you mentioned, just carving us up. Um, so those 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 guys are, are priceless, and I think. You know the ones, even though they don't get the the accolades, they're they're the guys that are really endeared by the boys and the senior players. And your, your Heath Strange, Heathless Strange falls into that category also. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully they feel feel the love in that way. At the end of that game, we win the you win the premiership, and then a couple of big things happen moving forward. One, Des leaves the club, and two, Hop goes on the Mormon mission. We spoke about that before. Were you? Shocked when Des left for the Bulldogs. Yeah, that was all pretty sad how it went down. I think we were at some. I think he told us at the after party. Um, one of the other boys might confirm or deny, but uh, just really, <laughs> we was talking about um, you know letting the air out of the balloon. It was just we were at the peak of our powers. We we uh, you know obviously had some setbacks in two thousand and nine. Um, and ten, but we got back there in in eleven. And if we were any chance of, um, uh, not any chance, but it just it would have been a seamless uh, transition into two thousand and twelve with Desi at the helm, um, and that that yeah that obviously rattled us right down to to the foundation and was was really disappointing uh, in terms of the legacy that we might have been able to leave. I think we had. Probably left one one premiership out there, which was which was really sad, and because um, I think you know we, we might have been spoken about in the same sort of uh, terms as Melbourne around that era. But you know, to their credit, um, year in and year out, they were there and and they won a few. But I just yeah, really really that's one regret. I think we had one more in us, and we nearly did it in 2013, and that was big credit to to twos and and the guys that um, that rallied there. But um, yeah, just didn't quite give us that dynasty, I, I don't think. So let's finish off by talking about Des Hasler. 
What I personally admire about Dez was his loyalty to the playing group and how he stood behind them at all times. The other thing was his man management skills within that group and his ability to call out outside individuals or hanger honours who he considered bad influences on those guys in the side. Tell us about Dez. Yeah, I think um, as we all know, with his playing career, how hard a worker he is and people often ask me to comment on the difference between Tooves and, and, and Dez and I think in some ways the... Uh, the attributes that, that made Des a, a good player transitioned better into a coach where I, I, I think personally, <laughs> I think Tuz was a more talented and skillful player. Um, but, um, you know, Des, Des used what he had and, and, and um, he, he definitely formed really close bonds with, uh, with all the players but had, a, you know, a senior players group that he had one-to-one mentoring and coaching where we'd have to go and sit with a guy, you know, uh, every, every couple of weeks and, and learn how to lead. So this sort of development of of his leaders, that, that then that would flow on. And so I'd be getting the young props around me and, and you know, Killer would be taking the, the younger halves aside or, um, you know, Kingy would be, be having his say. So that, that really flowed down um, to a real... Uh, positive and, and healthy culture where we all wanted each other, uh, everyone to do better and be better and hold each other to account. Um, yeah, uh, I think, and, I, and I, I'm sure, I hope I've said it to Des, but that, that's, that was all him because someone, you know, the head coach in, in, in the NRL gets the squad together as well. And um, to do that, to coach it, to um, to really build that team over those years, it must be very, very satisfying to him. And, and you know, credit has to go to Des for, for what he's done. And I certainly um, attribute him with the success we had there. I'd say that most people think he's a very intense individual, but he's also very funny. But tell me, tell me through a couple of the stories because you had an intense coach like Des and then you had... Killer, you were talking this afternoon about one story about how casual Killer was, but um, talk us through that. Yeah, Desi first. I think what Desi did brilliantly was um, he had this dry sense of humour. He would play on the fact that he, you know, he'd have that that stone face on. You knew when you, you know, when you were in trouble with Des, and we also touched on that the year that game he ripped the Parramatta door off. And if you have a look, it's me and Killer in the shot. I do not flinch. Killer jumps, and um, the reason <laughs> the reason I don't flinch is because Des has threatened to rip my head off. Not just the buddy. I'm just like, ah, it's just the door. He's cool. Where um, I'd been in video sessions with Des, um, and, and the leadership group would obviously do extras with him. But there was a video session where I sort of challenged something Des said in front of the boys, and um, he took me aside and he said, Cody, you're effing this and that, and you're lucky you've bloody played for Australia, and I was this close to taking your head off. So classic for a blow-up, but classic for a laugh, as you said. Would would ask about your family, cared. You knew he cared. And, you know, being up here on the Gold Coast just reminds me of one time we just had this terrible record against the Gold Coast, and, and he's into all his superstitions and what shoes to wear on what days and um this particular day uh we were up staying up there at the crown where we do and it was the time for the pre-game talk where the footage would usually come on the whiteboard would come out so all that was in place but instead of that happening this 
doof, doof this, you know, real deep, deeper than that. That was a poor, poor bloody example. But um, this rap comes on and he's trying to rap dance. <laughs> he's doing his white man, old man rap dancing. Just cracked the boys up. He didn't have too much to say about the game about that, but it was just enough. It's just one of those master strokes where I'm like, he knew what we needed, probably what he needed too, just to, you know, not make this bigger than it needed to be, just go out there and, and get the job done. And we always played our best when we were relaxed and happy and he knew how to do that. Killer. Killer. Yeah. <laughs> very uh, casual guy, isn't very, he? Very casual, very cool, very confident. For You would think he was better looking how confident he is. <laughs> <laughs> the way he struts around um, and he's just, you know, you know, on the on the uh, fair income stakes, so Killer is a very endearing guy, and everyone felt like they had a connection. He had a he had a gift as a captain that it, well, he wasn't firing brimstone, and he wasn't you know obviously he wasn't a, a forward where he's you know sort of leading the the charge in that respect. But he respected everyone. He had a personal relationship with everyone. He would try and speak you know the um, the islander slang with the island boys. He'd be like the young kids, and you know. Uh, trying to trying to do that with them, so everyone sort of, and I felt like um, you know you've got this personal relationship with Killer, which we all did. It was real; it wasn't manufactured. But uh, he was so laid back and good, good for us. Um, we'd come in after a loss, and um, you know people would be down in the mouth, and Killer would just go, "Well, can't do anything about it now. Hand me a beer," and he'd start drinking. But um, uh, Tell the Glenn Stewart one. <laughs> yeah, well, it was probably one of those times when we'd just been beaten. I think it was by St George when they were on their bit of a run. And <laughs> so, I mean, uh, Gifty's just, he's just your classic, say it how it is. He's a sort of the truth will set you free kind of guy. <laughs> and if you need to hear it, I'm going to give it to you. So I'm sitting on one side of Killer. We, you know, we're taking a leaf from his book. We're having a beer. Can't do anything about it. And Gifty sits next to Killer and says, "Well, sometimes you just got to tip the hat." Killer gives me this funny look. He's a bit confused, and then he looks back at Gift, more confused. And Gifty says, "Well, Colin Best just ran around you three times. You pretty much lost us the game." <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> the Killer couldn't do anything, and he's never really short of a word. <laughs> but he just threw the hands up and he looked at me, and he goes, "What do you say to that?" And uh, I, I probably high five Gifty. I'm like, "You're right, Gift. We did our job, Russ." <laughs> yeah, that is that good. Well, Kaidi, it's been a pleasure hanging out today, mate. Playing a bit of golf and chatting all things rugby league. I just want to say from all Manly fans, thank you for your incredible contribution you gave the famous maroon and white jumper and the memories and joy you provided us all during your long stint at the club. You're a true champion. You'll always be remembered as a person who gave his all. Thanks for the memories, mate. Yeah, I'll just reply, buddy, because I, I, um, yeah, I'm really touched by those words. And I think... Um you know, I can hear it when you speak, and, and this is what I learned with the fans. They do own the game, and you're, you're a manly fan for anything else. And I think it's so important um, that that it remains that way, and, and that the fans having that ownership of the team and and the game is, I think, it's a healthy place to be. And if we, if we make decisions around those uh, key and maybe most important stakeholders, I think that'll keep us in good stead. Also, thanks, mate, and um, all the best in the future. See you on the first. <laughs> Hopefully I'll get your money next time. That was cool. 
The Hennessy Footy Files proudly brought to you by getter.com.au. Tradies, shop online and get your materials delivered by Getter On Demand. Visit the website on www.getter.com.au.